listen, I, I don't know what you think, but Matthew, that that was a foul, man. That was a foul, John. We were just watching the game together before the pod, and you said it was a foul because you were a little bit ahead of me on the TV there, and I looked at it again, dude. That was a slap on the wrist. The ball was short, but I have to ask you, do they just let them play the last play of the game where they, they're just not going to call a foul? Whether it's under the basket or a shot for the win, they're not going to call a foul unless it's belligerent. You know what I mean? I wonder I if that, that's what they wanted to do. Like the only time they don't call a foul in that situation is when the guy who is shooting it is an all-star replacement. So that's <laughs> yeah, the yeah. only thing that makes sense <laughs> to me. Devin Booker continues to not really get the respect. And you, you think they would call a foul considering how short that shot came up. I mean, this is a fantastic shooter in the NBA, somebody who's now an all-star. Uh, we'll talk about that here shortly. And the, the shot was way short. So it's not like Devin Booker's going to miss that shot on a really good look. He clearly got slapped on the wrist. And unfortunately, yep. you never want to put yourself in a situation in which the referees control the outcome of the game. That's what the Suns did tonight in a tough loss to those pesky Charlotte Hornets. And we walk away with uh, you know a loss at the end of... Uh, what could have been a nice little, this could have been the fourth game in a row one. Now we are on a one game losing streak and now we hit the road. So unfortunately Mm -hmm. the Suns lose. Um, They're now 20 and 11. I was really looking forward to a win seen as the Los Angeles Lakers aren't playing very well. And this was an opportunity to gain some ground on them. So that was a foul, man. Yeah, I know. And we come off a win like last one where we think we're just, you know, we're, we're untouchable in a way. And then the first quarter was so great. And then it just kind of went downhill from there. But we'll talk about it, dude. Very, very strange game today. I'm not too upset. I'm not going to trade Aiden, but we'll talk about it. <laughs> well, again, tough loss. But, you know, a, overall, a very positive time to be a Suns fan. Every now and then you get cornholed by the refs. And every now and then you put yourself in a situation where you allow that to occur. And that's what happened tonight against the Charlotte Hornets. Matthew and I are going to talk about that. We're going to talk about the Suns waving Damian Jones. We're going to talk about Devin Booker being an all-star. Yes. And we are going to talk about the upcoming schedule, knowing that the NBA and the Phoenix Suns released their second half schedule. There's nothing Matthew loves more than to predict the final, to look at a set of uh, scheduled games and predict them. So, and then without, forget the next day what I predicted. It <laughs> doesn't matter. That's why we do a podcast. It's, you know, it, exactly. one, it is for you, Jamsters. We do the podcast. Mm-hmm. But two, Matthew and I do it just so we remember what we said and what we think at times because sometimes <laughs> yeah. you get so emotional after these games, man. Yes. It's hard to watch, but but we, we do rewatch them sometimes. Yes, sir. <laughs> so if you are joining us in the chat via YouTube, we appreciate it. Go ahead and hit the subscribe button, hit the thumbs up button, and hit the bell button as well. That'll notify you when we go live, which is typically after every Suns game. Although yesterday we did throw down one of our As It Happens podcasts while we sat and we watched the All-Star selection for the reserve spots. Uh, if you're listening on the bright side of the podcast network, please subscribe, rate, and review. You can follow the show at Suns Jam on Twitter. You can follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. I'm Matthew Lucy. All right. Time to pop a beer. This is the kind of games that make you want to drink. Got another hazy oh. IP. Oh, I got this from your fridge. So oh. All yeah, right. over well, earlier, John. We'll pop them <laughs> if you got them, Suns fans. Let's go crazy. Oh, it's tougher than it looks, guys. 
That was like the hardest beer crack I've I ever had. Devil. It's because I'm trying to stay positive right now, and I'm really frustrated because we should have won this game. But exactly. cheers, Suns fans. Let's talk about this game. The Charlotte Hornets, a very pesky team from the Eastern Conference, one of my confessed favorite league pass teams to watch anytime they're on. I'm going to watch because they have an exciting offense. They're fifth in the league in fast break points. They're 15th in pace, uh, but led by LaMelo Ball now for the last 11 games. They're just exciting to watch. And we knew coming into this game, if you don't stay focused, it was going to be dangerous. Right, Matthew? Oh, exactly. And I, I really think on my notes, usually eight and watch is like the biggest part of my notes, but Lonzo Ball notes today were or not Lonzo, LaMelo Ball. I'm going to do that a hundred times for the rest of my <laughs> life. LaMelo Ball today was, he was filling up my note sheet, dude. This guy is just very, very confident. I know it's annoying because the Suns just lost. And I think, but his game is just, he's going to be a superstar soon. And he does show off quite a bit. It almost cost him in the end with his little dribble. And like, he just lost it out of bounds, which is kind of embarrassing. But the rest is too fancy. Little too fancy, but he he can get it going, man. For this team, he is their leader. I know Hayward is getting paid the extra money, but Lamelo soon will be their leader on this team. But it's exciting to watch him. He's almost to the point where he's kind of hard to watch in a way where I'm scared of him. In a way, I know this might be annoying right now just to talk about him, but he he can be a scary player very very soon. LaMelo well, Ball. he he's a rookie, and you shouldn't have to feel you know, necessarily afraid as you're referencing, but he has those playmaking skills and you're always afraid of somebody who has playmaking skills because even when you think you have them properly defended, they're going to find an open shooter, a cutter, somebody who's going to produce points on the offensive end. Couple that with the fact that that ugly jump shot that we referenced in our last podcast actually led to some three pointers and that could be a deadly combination. So uh, Lamelo Ball. Oh, I almost Lonzoed it. <laughs> that happened. Should we just you say know. Ball? <laughs> yeah, the, the Ball Kid. Um, just really a, a solid performance from him. Ended with twenty points and eight assists, seven for eleven from the field. Uh, that's something that is going to be a problem moving forward. I'm glad that he's over there hanging out in the Eastern Conference, so we don't have to necessarily watch him play against the Suns. I will continue to follow Charlotte, enjoy the way that they play from afar knowing that they're in the Eastern conference, but this game you, you sit. And again, this is a, a podcast that's occurring right after the game. So you're trying to figure out, you know, the why, why did we lose this game? And it, there's a plethora of reason. And I could go into s- statistics. I can talk about the bench points. I can talk about uh, the lack of defense in the second half. And I'll probably talk about all of those things, but I think it was just kind of a lack of focus. I think there's a lot going on around the suns, Chris Paul was on TNT late last night. He's talking to the media about his all-star selection. You have everything that's happening on Twitter with Devin Booker and his all-star selection. And these little distractors, although if you want to be a premier team, you don't let them affect you. Essentially, the team lost focus. And then there's some dude who uh, who's named Malik Monk. And he went off for 29 points. And I know it's, it's early in the podcast, but he definitely gets the uh, Jack Taylor for the guy who comes out of nowhere and scores a shit ton of points on you. 
10 for 21 <laughs> from the field, 5 for 10 from downtown, 29 points. This guy was a problem. When he was in the game, it was not something that the Suns were necessarily ready for. If you look at him, you know the Suns were up 13 in the first quarter, and he helps cut the lead to five points. The Suns are up 17 in the second quarter. He helped cuts the lead to one. And campaign, unfortunately, didn't have a great game as he was mirroring minutes with him, especially in the second quarter. Campaign had a negative 10 in the first quarter, uh, the first half, whereas Malik Monk had a plus 14 and 22 points on him. So is it campaign oh, or was it, it, it was it campaign's lack of defense and playmaking ability that led to a subpar performance from him? Or was it Malik Monk just in God mode and you just can't stop that? Well, Malik Monk, he earlier this year, 36 points in one game, his career high. So a lot of people have stock in him, including our very own Bill Simmons, a fan or fan favorites of his. We should bring him on the show and have him talk we should about just it. Just ask him, talk, yeah, talk about it. Because he had 22 points in the first half. I thought he was going to get 40. I thought he was going to beat that record. Kind of like how Books missed her first quarter, getting 16 points in the first quarter. Malik Monk was going off. And like you said, these leads that the Suns had up by 18, up by 19, they were dwindled down very, very, very fast by this Charlotte Hornets team because they're led by a guy like Ball who doesn't give up on his confidence. His confidence keeps his team in the games. I think that they just, no matter what the other team does, they know that they had the weapons, the athleticism, the three-point shooting, even though they were just jacking them up towards the end. They got lucky in this win because they could have easily blew it from just like missing those threes, which they did in the end, but then they made a couple big ones. But Monk himself, I know he went a little cold and they kind of went away from him, but thank God, dude, because I swear, I thought he was going to go for 40. And this would be tough. And look at me close up, baby. <laughs> Woo! We are close up right now. Close up um, for Matthew's thoughts. <laughs> I like to mess you up right in the yeah. middle of a point you're making. I know the camera switching. I got to get used to it. I mean, if we're going to go from one camera to the other one, one camera to that one, I got to get used to that one. Whichever one has the red light on, I need to focus on that one. But yeah, Malik Monk, I mean, it's fun. This It sucks because the Suns lost. It does. But at least this team's in the East. You know what I mean? Yeah. When the Suns lose the teams in the West, it's more frustrating because you have to deal with them more in the future, down in the playoffs when we actually do make the playoffs this year. So this with the Hornets team, Malik Monk, all the young guys they have on the team, it's just it's fun to watch. But losing this game, I think the Suns had it. They just they they lacked like that the the injection in the fourth quarter to get them past the Hornets. Which you know it'll happen sometimes, and I'm not giving excuses. It just it does it does happen. We just have nothing going for them. And I think what's interesting is given the last few games that the Suns have played, we are used to them hitting almost every shot. And don't get me wrong. Look at this game as well. They shot 50.6 from the field. I mean, this team is shooting extremely well as of late. They're showing teams around the league that they are a legitimate contender seeing as you're going to have to outshoot them at times. You know, our yeah. defense is, uh, you know, one of the, best defenses in the league. I think we're currently fourth in opposing points per game. But if you look at the last few games that they've played and you take a look at their overall shooting percentages in the game against the Portland Trailblazers, the Phoenix Suns shot overall, let's see here, 50, 50.5% from the field. In the, the game against Memphis, 53% from the field. Against the game In the game against the Pelicans, 58% from the field. In the loss to Brooklyn, uh, 54.5%. We beat the Orlando Magic by 19 points, but we shot 44% from the field. The Philly game, we shot 60%, 52, 52, 48, 48. This team is a good shooting team. 
But unfortunately, some of those shots weren't falling in the fourth quarter for us. We weren't able to get the stops. Had we had a couple stops, we probably would have ended up winning this game, but we just couldn't hold it down. Again, not necessarily any type of uh, blame to throw down. Sometimes the other team is just, I wouldn't, it just has a good night and they survived the Suns. One thing I will talk about, obviously, is the man who was fouled at the end of the game, and that's our own all-star Devin Booker and aggressive Booker's back 16 points on on seven for nine shooting in the first quarter. That's his fourth straight game with 16 plus points in the first quarter, Uh, only three in the second quarter and ended with a total of 33 points. I guess uh, you know, we got to stop tweeting out, though, that we think Booker's going to go for 60 when he does this in the first <laughs> quarter, right? No, we do, because what he does, and I love it. I love how he gets this team going. He feeds in the first quarter to where, you know, there's going to be adjustments in the second quarter, of course, going into halftime, stuff like that. But I think for him just to get the team going, is it's really great offensively. We know he can dish. We know he can pass now. In the beginning of the season, he had a tough time getting used to, of course, Chris Paul. Just any adjustments the roster's had. I think that he, him in the second quarter, just passing the ball up, even though he had four fouls, was it three fouls? And he sat out to the halftime. It was three fouls, so he had to sit out. But I like the second the second quarter where he can actually go out there and get the other team involved, the rest of the teammates, because even if the Suns are missing shots, he will find them. He'll get everyone involved. It's not like if he goes, if he scores 16 or 17 in the first quarter, Mr. First Quarter, he is. I just don't think that the other team's like, oh, or not the other team, the other teammates are like, hey, this is going to suck because he's going to be you know, jacking up shots, not looking for us, because that's the totally opposite of what he does on the court. And that's what I love about his game. Now, it doesn't always lead to wins for Booker when he's scoring 12 to 16 or 17 points in the first quarter, but it gives them some momentum. Whether or not they finish isn't always up to him. Maybe he gets too hot and then he finishes too cold, even though his technical pretty much cost us the game tonight. <laughs> I think that momentum we had and that technical he had, I think it kind of blew it for us, but getting this team going is really his thing. And I think Monty's really heavy on it to really get him open because in the, in the bubble, this is the way Booker would play in the bubble. He would actually go out there. It was easy for him in the first quarter and he would lead that team to win eight. No, in the bubble, that's what they're doing again now. And I, and I truly love it, man. What do you think though about him scoring so much in the first efficiently though? I think you're spot on in this was, this is bubble Booker. This is what he did. He came out, he exuded his dominance, and then from there, it motivated the team. It set the team up for success. When the second team came in, the bubble did a in did or the team in the bubble did a good job of sustaining that lead. That's what the Suns have been doing as of late. This is a game in which the Suns didn't have a good bench game. We were outscored 54 to 34 uh, on our bench, and a lot of that obviously is the 29 points from Malik Monk. But I I like how Monty is instilling the confidence in Booker and saying, go out and set the pace, set the tone, set this team up for success, and then we'll follow your lead. Unfortunately, as you mentioned, it was another bad Booker technical. And that's the kind of thing you can't get behind. Uh, uh, You you can't follow him. You know, he's supposed to be one of your leaders. You can't follow him when he does that petty shit. And I'm sure that somebody at the end of the bench for the Charlotte Hornets was chirping at him. I'm sure I'm sure Nick Richards or or Caleb Martin, some guy we've never heard of, was sitting there kind of jawing at him, giving him some shit about being an all-star selection or talking about Kendall Jenner. And I know that he was chirping with them earlier in the game. And after he had a fast break dunk and it cut the lead to four, he gets the tech. 
the Charlotte Hornets hit the free throw. And then what do they do? They hit a three. And then all of a sudden we're down eight. And yeah. Devin Booker before this game, and I researched this as it was happening, is tied for fifth in the league with five technicals in uh, thus far this season. So now he's got six. So now he's moving on up. And that's the thing. You don't want to be moving on up. That's not an all-stars actions. You look at the guys who lead the league. Dwight Howard has nine. Russell Westbrook has 10. Those guys aren't all-stars. Those guys are just pissed off because they're not getting calls. Don't get me wrong. I think Devin Booker justified it at the end of the game. One of the reasons why he's chirpy, it's because he doesn't necessarily get the respect. Although both of the calls that uh, were challenged in this game, one for Phoenix, one for Charlotte, both involved Devin Booker and both actually went his way, which was uh, interesting. And as Luke Wallace says in the chat, after that technical foul, he missed like five shots after it threw him off. And that's what it kind of happens with him is he starts to get too pumped yeah. up. And we don't we don't want angry book. We want motivated book. Yeah, no, especially if they were to announce maybe DeMar DeRozan or John Morant making the All-Star game other than him, maybe you would expect Angry Book. The thing is, though, with his technical, which kind of drives me insane because he'll he'll yell at the bench right in front of the refs, super loud. As soon as and he started... Like, what did I do? Exactly. As soon as he started doing it, I was just like, please don't call. Oh, there's a tech. It's like, it's obvious, Book, that you're going to get a tech there. I feel like... I don't know if he does it on purpose, but to me, it looks like it's on purpose because at the time, I'm just like, we can't have this, dude. We are actually on a roll here. We're getting back in the game against a Hornets team that's really trying to put us away. And I thought when the Suns were up by 18 or 19 that we would actually, you know, put our foot on their neck. And I say that every podcast, but that's true. That's what the Suns have been doing. For Book to do this, I don't know if he's like the Rasheed Wallace kind of player. That would suck. Or if he's going to come out and be that guy to where it's like, uh, I'm gonna get a technical. I'm gonna. My emotions are gonna be going crazy. Like no one can stop me. Maybe Chris Paul, if he's on the court, can settle me down. But if I'm gonna actually go out there and play, I need to have that. That's the way Book is thinking. I need to have those technicals to keep me going. That's fine, I guess. But I just hate it when it's late in the game and it costs your team, especially that's struggling against a Hornets team that really off the dribble on offense they can go wherever they want on against the Suns defense after the second quarter started. It was just basically like they would catch the ball, either jack up a three or get to the rim. You know, this this rim presence for the Suns underneath, not really there anymore. Whether or not the Hornets were scoring under the rim or in the paint, it didn't matter because they would just shoot off to someone wide open. I, I just don't know where the defense was at. It was just a strange, strange game. It was a strange feeling tonight for this win, but it has to end with Booker leading this team to a win and not getting that technical and it might not be a big deal down the line because we'll probably win three more in a row here. Who knows? You know, play great basketball. But in this kind of game, we need these games as easy as it may seem. The Suns just need to focus and do like the little things, like not get that technical to cost them the game. Yeah, absolutely. And we'll discuss a little a little bit later in the podcast. When you look at the second half of the season, there's going to be some challenges for this Phoenix team. So you need to win these games. You need to kick a team that's 13 and 15 and they're playing on the road and they're five and eight on the road coming into the game. You, sh you need to win these games. And that's one thing that we've been applauding over the past 13 games is the way that we're putting away the competition that we should be putting away disappointing to lose in this fashion real quick on Booker. You said if yeah. DeMar DeRozan was named all-star, perhaps we would have got angry book. And <laughs> what you don't want about angry book is like what he did last year, where he went into like a two week slump after he didn't receive his all-star nod. So, you know, 
Booker disappointed with that technical foul for sure, but overall, you know, a, a really solid game. Yeah. 30, 33 points. Did what he could, and again, he was fouled on that last play, so it's kind of a moot yeah, point. Sucks. So, yeah, it really does. And then, of course, it's always time to look for Watch Twenty Twenty One. One thing that the you tweeted via our son's jam session account was about how when Booker went out with his fourth foul, which came after one of the challenges, another dumb foul by Booker, by the way, he gets a challenge to finally go in his way where he was set up by Cody Zeller for an offensive foul. They <laughs> called it the other way. The next play, he drives to the hoop and he throw he throws an arm shiver out and it's bl- right in front of the ref on the weak side where there's nobody standing there. And it's as clear as day. So another bad play by Booker there, but then it's no Chris Paul, no Devin Booker in the game. Tell me what you saw. Well, we did see a lot of dishes as Aiden to get stuff going, and he did get to the free throw line. He did get layups. He got the mid-range going, the face-up jumper that I love to see because basically, I mean, we can talk about Aiden all day. He is unstoppable if he has the ball, but the only thing is you start off too late. I when won't Booker, go that far, but no, he, he do I'm things saying, with the ball. He can be unstoppable. If, if he can he, catch it, he's great. If I, yeah, if I can finish. The thing that he actually does – what I'm trying to say is he needs those balls down low early to fumble away. He gets to a point to where, oh, are you being attacked? Oh, no. I I'm think just, I'm just letting you finish your point. Oh, <laughs> no, I was just going to say it takes him a while to, to get that confidence. So he's going to fumble some balls away, but you want those kind of early so he can get comfortable. That's the way he's been playing this year. So when they did go to him, when Booker was on the bench with four fouls, Chris Paul was out because he needs rest. They were feeding Aiton, but it, it works. He was getting to the free throw line twice, layups, faceups, whatever he wanted to do. It was nice. You know, it wasn't really aggressive. It was basically the two fouls he had from the refs. I just thought that it was like, in a way, they were just kind of given to him. I don't think he was really aggressive towards the rim, but they were giving him foul calls. So it's like, okay, I'll take it. You know, that was perfect for the Suns to get back in it. He kind of held him tight a little bit. Defensively, nothing wasn't really there, but they weren't giving him the ball a lot this year. And it reminds me of like his position basically in baseball. It's like he's like a catcher. It's like he's taking a beating, he's forcing himself down low. He's you know, crouching down the whole game to try to get in position. And then he gets like three or four shots at the at the ball. You know what I mean? At bats, yeah. plate appearances to actually have his time to shine. And you just can't have those games. So I'm not blaming Aiden for anything this game. I think they just didn't feed him enough. I think the opportunity was there and they just missed him. And sorry, John, I didn't mean to offend you at all. I'm sorry. I was just trying to, because I forget things. So if I don't get them out there quick enough, I'll forget what I was going to say, whether they're intelligent or not. I got to take out notes, there. bro. That's why you take notes. I got notes. I just can't read. Oh, oh okay. <laughs> That's hard. That's hard. It's just scribble. It's just yeah. finger finger painting. Exactly. Of it's your feelings yeah. as you're watching DeAndre Ayton. Yes. Yes. No, I, I agree with you. This is this is a game in which the Phoenix Suns should have taken advantage of the fact that Cody Zeller was guarding DeAndre Ayton. He ended mm-hmm. the game with 16 points and 10 rebounds. Six for eight from the free throw line and five for eight from the field. And the majority of those attempts came in that stretch at the end of the third quarter when Devin Booker and Chris Paul weren't on the court. I don't know how many times I have seen this team straight up just miss passes to Aiton. He'll do a cut. He'll do a roll. He'll be wide open. Now, granted, Mm -hmm. it's the NBA and those much akin to the NFL and trying to throw a ball to a receiver. Your window is very short and very small. But if you have Chris Paul and you have Jay Crowder and you have all the Devin Booker and all these playmakers on your team and have who have the ability to you know at least throw a bounce pass they can hit him and give him an opportunity 
I yeah. think that part of that might be the fact that they're just tentative due to the fact that he has fumbled the ball enough times on entry passes where it turns into a turnover and they might be weary of that. So they just, instead of hitting him on a cut, there was one play where he was wide open on a cut. And I'm like, eight, and, uh, and then they threw it to Cam Johnson and Cam hit a three. I, I was it, like, yeah. okay. So, but still like there's plenty of times where he just, he fumbles the ball because he's thinking too much. He's, he's going for the ball while he's think he's trying to look up here. And then, you know, mm -hmm. it's just like a wide receiver trying to catch the ball and, and, but they're thinking about running and it's something that he will continue to work on. He will continue to get better at. And at the better he gets at it and the more he can prove to his team, Hey, if you can get me the ball, I can take care of it. The more we're going to see Deandre and put up 24 points a game. And with those 10 rebounds instead of just 16, Again, I think he did well given how he was used in the scope of this offense tonight. They didn't allow him an opportunity to shine. They didn't feed him very often. There wasn't a lot of throw it down to Aiton, let him try to back it down. It's something you never see with the Suns. It's like hit Aiton in the post, hit Aiton in the post. You almost never see it. And it's to his detriment because when he does have mismatches, there was one play where Chris Paul's coming down and he had Malik Monk on him. And he chose to swing it out to somebody on the left-hand side. I was like, throw it down to Aiton. Like, give him a chance. Feed him in the post and let him try to work. You know, that is what is going to uh, – the more he does that, the more repetition he has backing guys down, the more comfortable he's going to be in in-game situations trying out his moves because he does have moves. He's got a little fadeaway. He's got a spot-up jumper. He has the ability to finish around the rim. He can throw a floater in there, a mini hook. He has these little tools in his toolkit. He just never has an opportunity to use them. Yeah, and it's every game he has to kind of restart that clock in his mind to where he gets comfortable, you know? It's like, oh, and I, I pointed this out earlier this year where I'm like, Aiden, didn't you learn? Didn't someone tell you not to do that before and now you're still doing it? But for him this year, it's basically it restarts every game to where he's going to make the same mistakes, but as he gets the ball more, he's more efficient. And I think that I don't know why it's taking the Suns so long for Chris Paul to give him the ball. I know we have great shooters, great players to give them the ball. I mean, shooting threes lights out these last few games. It makes sense to pass it around across the perimeter. But if you want that other option where Aiden has to be stopped, has to be double teamed, you have to give him the ball a lot down low, whether or not he catches it and passes it out. It doesn't matter if he passes it to him down low and he ends up passing out, then that's him catching the ball. This is, sounds like we're like talking about a toddler, but it's, it's true. If he can catch the ball a few times and pass it out, I think that kind of warms him up to get the hands ready. You know what I mean? And John, yeah. if I could just finish, please. Can I finish? I'm not just finish. finish. <laughs> I'm, I'm done. Are you I'm finished? Done with Watch. You're finished. Yeah. I'm, I'm muting you. You are now muted. You are finished. Yeah. Talk all you want. You can't, you can't. I'm the MC of this goddamn podcast. You remember that. No, <laughs> I, I got think... Dave King. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when, when speaking of Dave King, I think it's a good opportunity to, you know, kind of show you th this is what I think every time DeAndre Gayton gets the ball and fumbles it. This is my reaction. Fuck. You know, every time. How many times I'm in just, a loop did you watch that till you stopped? I watched it 30 times in a loop. Oh, it makes me laugh, but it's so true. I'm just like, <laughs> fuck. And there's there's nothing you can do. You want him to be better. That's why yeah. we have eight and watch. He's going to continue to grow into the player he is. Again, I think that this team, obviously, you know, 20 and 11, <laughs> we're doing fine. 
Um, but he, yeah. he could have uh, showcased more tonight if the Suns allowed him to do so against a team that wants to run more than they want to be physical. And I know he's not a physical guy, but you need to still get the ball down there in the paint. It's something that I was really surprised in how the Charlotte Hornets flipped the script on us in this game. In the first half, the Suns outscored the Charlotte Hornets 34-6 to in the paint. At the end of the game... We were outscored by them by a total of 54 to 50. So they, they, they had a plus 12 in the paint in the second half. Uh, unacceptable. And I think part of that is, you know, Monty's rotations. And I see a lot of the jamsters in the chat kind of yeah. talking about that. Obviously, they're ripping Aiden's hands because everybody does. Um, but a reminder to all the jamsters who are watching, please hit the thumbs up. Hulk smash the thumbs up button. As our buddy sons geek likes to say, uh, <laughs> please subscribe to the bright side of the sun podcast, whether it's on the pod itself or it is on the YouTube channel. We thoroughly appreciate it. But Monty's rotations were something that was a little different this, tonight. I, Dario Saric wasn't used a ton. He ended with 16 minutes after, you know, eight in the first half, eight in the second half. You didn't see a lot of Frank Kaminsky. He ended only with 12. And this is one of those games where we really had an opportunity and we were doing this through the first like quarter and a half of imposing our will on the other team. And then we just slowly let them impose theirs upon ours to where we had to start playing catch up. So the shooters come in the game. We're shooting threes. We're missing threes. We end with 36.8% from the field, or I'm sorry, from three point line whereas we started nine for 18 in the first half so we went from 50 percent down to 36 and it's it's interesting how we didn't see enough dario in this game and i think he would have had a a feast if we just let him go in there and throw that big butt around (laughs) that would have been nice to see yeah i mean only 16 or almost 16 minutes it's kind of crazy because now like when we lose a game like this i feel like we focus on the bench and what they're not doing right and who we're not playing it's like okay could you maybe put javon carter in or something like that to play some defense galloway yeah it's like you you start missing these players on the bench that did provide some really good offense and defense earlier in this year now you're trying to find a find a way to get him back in the game and that might be what happens and someone actually mentioned frank kaminsky is he gonna play start next week probably not i feel like since we lost the streak is over the streak's over but yeah back to dario sorry i got away from him dario love that guy i just he he had an okay game. I feel like he missed a couple layups that were really crucial. Um, but he 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 himself, I feel like for the minutes he played was kind of valuable. I don't know if he could have played more minutes. They got a lot to Jay Crowder and Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson's just so hit and miss from three now. So Dario Sarge himself, I feel like he'll get more minutes next game. But it is crazy because usually he's a twenty to twenty five minute guy. I feel like on this on this bench, but tonight he just wasn't. And I don't know why you think that would be, but what do you think? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know either. Who just mentioned it in the chat? Uh, I want to give them the shout out. Uh, Jonesin since uh, 80 said, pretty sure Dario had aggravated that ankle, unfortunately. And if that is his injuries, case, I didn't see it, but you know, I know. I if somebody else them. did, kudos to you, Jamster. Thanks Thank for pointing you. that Thank out. Um, but if that is the case, unfortunately, that's something that is going to hurt this team because Dario Sarge is a very, very valuable member of this team. And we've seen since his insertion back into Monty's rotations that this team has really taken off. We were floundering for a little bit, and all of a sudden, boom, you got Dario and we're playing well. Uh, Mm -hmm. You mentioned Cam Johnson and the way that he's shooting as of recently. And I actually pulled up some statistics. I went on to the advanced stats on NBA.com, and I was looking at Cam Johnson's spot-up 
catch and shoot numbers. And it's something that I'm just, I'm wondering if, if it's more of an aberration, I feel like, you know, if he's wide open or if he's, if we throw him the ball and he, and he catches and shoot it, shoots it, I feel like it goes, it's not as solid as it should be. And I took a look at it and 64.7 of all of his shots are catch, catch and shoot shot, catch and shoot shots mm-hmm. from beyond the arc. That's 2.1 per game made on 5.4 uh, attempts per game. And he's shooting 38%. So not horrible, but I feel like it's something that's not necessarily consistent. Like if you're a catch and shoot shooter, if you will, you should have the ability to, I don't know, just knock down those shots. And when he's wide open, he's uh, that's 47.2% of the time he's shooting catch and shoot shots wide open. And his three point percentage is thirty nine point five percent. So he's shooting kind of where he should be. I just I feel like that number should be a little bit higher. And mm-hmm. then he then of course after I did all that research, he knocked down a few in this game. You that know, always happens. <laughs> always happens. But but you look at his overall statistics though. You know, fourteen points off the bench, two for six from deep, and you want that to be three for six. You know, you want that to be four for seven or something along those lines. That's what he's his specialty is, and he just has been floundering a little bit beyond the arc. He has, but also, I mean, the rest of his shots, five of them were just to the lane, which I love to see. So he's five of 11 overall. And his shot is kind of different every time he does shoot. Like tonight, there was like his quick. Okay, so what I noticed is when he made a sweet, sweet three, I think it was his first of the night, he jumped a little bit short. Like he didn't get his lift up as much as he usually does. And like his release was quicker. I, it looked totally different for me. I might be just seeing things, but it, it was so nice and sweet. And I feel like the more he pushes his shot, the more the ball is in his hands, the the worse the shot looks, the more he clanks it off the rim. And it's kind of like he has to get more of like a Langston Galloway shot. And I know we have Cam Johnson on this team to be like a knockdown three-point shooter, but you saw him get to the rim today. Like he, he is really focusing on that. And I, and I love that he is I doing love that. that. I, I love it. I think he can be good at that because he has size. He has the length. And um, just shooting the three, though, I think it's just all in his head now. You know, it's just like I'm a three-point shooter. He's thinking I got to make these. So this just adds more pressure to his game, I feel like, just trying to make the three. And he's very inconsistent this year. And it, it sucks, whether he's on the bench or whether he's starting. I like what Eamon Moore says in the YouTube chat. He says, Cam's misses are when he's not expecting the ball, makes it when he's prepared. And that that is a good observation. When he does get the ball swung around to him in rhythm and he's expecting his hands are up, from here to here, he's he's great. But when he's kind of yeah. just waiting, and, and Chris Paul does one of those like cross-court passes, and also he's like, oh, shit, and I'm, I'm open, so I might as well shoot but, it so that that is a good observation and just really good you notice like it, whether or not like a length uh, galloway is ready or not he always has like the same release same quick release yes gets the ball quick like cam doesn't have that yet maybe because he's just such a big guy it takes longer of course maybe that's probably all it is but he just doesn't have that and i just wanted to point that out but yeah go ahead yeah Sorry. well and uh, speaking of dario potentially Injuring his angel ankle. I'm sorry. Uh, it did. He's I did. I do remember at the end of the game, he did. He is an angel. Dario Sarch is an angel. <laughs> Whenever I misspeak about Dario, I'm correct. But he did get dinged up at the very end of the game, as did Cam Johnson when he was uh, battling Lonzo. Lonzo, I did it. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> I said Lonzo. I didn't. I didn't. Sorry, I didn't. Man. I didn't say Lamelo. It's like fuck. I messed up. <laughs> I love it. I know that's going to be our new drop from now on. Dave, I hope you're watching. Um, but when he was diving for the ball with LaMelo Ball, 
it looked like he hurt himself as well. So this could actually end up being a costly game for the Suns, considering both of these guys might be dinged up moving forward. So we'll see how that kind of plays out. I wanted to bring up um, our our boy Gate Gordon Howard Hayward Gordon Hayward Gordon Howard. <laughs> <laughs> His beers are hitting, hitting yeah, hard yeah. tonight, brother. You're like me in the beginning of the, pa- in the oh my god, I can't talk the the, the podcast. <laughs> Gordon Hayward, what are your thoughts on him now that he's there in Charlotte? Again, we've mentioned it. This is one of our favorite league pass teams. I've really liked how he's played. Didn't have the most amazing game in this one as he ended the night with a total of 20 points, uh, eight rebounds. So he did have a good game. Um, He's a ninja game. But but what are your thoughts on him? You know, when you look at is he worth the money that Charlotte paid for him? And should Boston fans be kicking themselves for letting him go? Uh, both, I would say, um, well, no, I would say yes to the first question. I think that he is worth the money, not stats wise. I mean, he's putting up good stats, but he's very inconsistent too, as well, because I think this isn't really his team. He's the second guy on a team. And I think even if LaMelo is inconsistent too with stats, I think he'll eventually be the leader, but this team is kind of full of just like, you know, athletic guys that can shoot threes and that can dunk, but Hayward himself, I think it was just worth the money for the name. I feel like you just have to get somebody with that big name on this Hornets team in order to like continue in your franchise. Just stop trying to draft these guys, these forwards, whatever the hell they were doing before, and start just going out to get who you can get. Even if the even if you have to overpay, you need these guys on your team. Just kind of build something, build a chemistry. But the Celtics, the Celtics themselves, I don't think they're they're not worried too much. But I know that they are having their issues right now, and they're below five hundred. But it doesn't have anything to do, I think, with Hayward being off the team because he didn't really ever fit in. If he was on that team, he'd just be another forward. Like, where would you put him on the on the floor? But Hayward himself, I think, towards the end of the season, he'll be more scary for the Hornets. They mm-hmm. might be able to make the playoffs. Who knows? But he he's that guy at, at the end of the game where you want the ball in his hand. He's that kind of guy who can get a shot off against anybody. But I, I respect him. I mean, what do you think, John? Are you excited he's a Hornet now, a horny Hornet? <laughs> yeah, I like him there. I like to see Gordon Hayward cook and he never got that opportunity in Charlotte or I'm sorry in Boston so you know, more power to you I think he fits perfectly with that offense he's the guy you need who could be a consistent score around a young rookie who's trying to distribute the ball so I'm, I'm a big two as well <laughs> is, is, is that what I'm saying this pod you, you say that so, as well? somebody actually commented that Matthew says two as well way too much and they said nothing but love oh, but one do of our, I? One, one of our comments oh, in one of the YouTube comments. So every time you say it, I'm just going to point it out because that's also how we get go- better <laughs> as podcasters is we focused on. So. I'll start going to uh, um, Toastmasters. There you go. <laughs> no, that would ruin me. And I'm I guess original, the other question baby. is, is is Gordon Hayward your doppelganger? I don't know. That's really weird because I don't think I look like him. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> So when you said you had surprises for this podcast, I didn't know that was going to be one of them. Where am I right there? Where am I? Have, I have no idea. Shannon, <laughs> Shannon sent me that picture. God, dude, look at those nasty whiskers and teeth. Yo, T, I look like I'm from England, dude. I look like I look like Ricky Jarvis. So for those of you who are listening to the podcast, those of you who are listening versus uh, actually watching this, I've put a picture of Matthew up against Gordon Hayward just to show everybody that he's clearly his doppelganger. A little if bit it, wider. If, a little bit if Matthew was more slender and actually had facial hair, he would probably look like Gordon Hayward. Well, when was this taken? Because I've probably lost weight since then. So take it now. I don't, I don't grow out some facial hair. and We'll there take it. Okay. Dude, look at that. Oh yeah. Look that's those, some, that's some good G- Gordon Haywardy that you're throwing out there. So mad props <laughs> on that. 
if you look at the overall oh, yeah, totality of, of this game. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, what are the jamsters saying? Oh, uh, yeah. Honey I, honey, I shrunk the kid. Luke Wallace, never seen Matthew without a hat. Yeah, you've never seen me without a hat either. <laughs> um, <laughs> I did a podcast without a hat once. So yeah, you've done, that you, one. you've done a couple. I am, I'm 0 for 136. I've worn one. Even when we were recording it in my garage and we were just doing podcasts and not on YouTube, I, I had a hat on. I always <laughs> wear a hat. It's just like my thing. Um, Who are you going to give this game's... Star of the game. This is kind of an interesting one because I think Chris it Paul is. had a really, really good game in this one. He ended with 20 points and 10 rebounds, or I'm sorry, eight rebounds and 10 assists. He was two rebounds away from a triple double. And then, of course, you have Booker with the 33 points uh, and three assists and five turnovers. So, and five personal fouls. So, who are you picking? Do you want to go first? I pick, I pick CP3. I'll tell you this. CP3 okay. is someone I feel like even on this podcast, we don't appreciate enough. Even as a fan base, we might not necessarily appreciate enough because he was named an all-star yesterday. And of course we're like, yeah, yeah. Okay. CP3 is an all-star. What, why the fuck is a booker a fucking all-star? You know, we were, we were all just sitting around looking at each other and just consistently. Fuck. And I really think that CP3 is something to be valued. I remember years and years ago when Randy Johnson was pitching for the Arizona Diamondbacks. I used to go to Diamondback games all the time. And I used to always go when Randy Johnson was pitching because I knew I was watching greatness. Because at that point in his career, when he pitched for the Diamondbacks and won four straight Cy Youngs, you knew when you were going, you were watching greatness. And every night right now, we are watching greatness when CP3 takes the court. And we're looking at Aiton and seeing how he's playing. And why did Jay Crowder you know, shoot X amount of shots? And what's wrong with Cam's release? And Booker, ah, he's got another technical... And CP3 is just steady, calm, and as cool as the other side of the pillow, man. He he puts up his stats. He leads his team. He hits those middies and is just consistent. And I think that in this game, the fact that he went for 20, <laughs> 10, and 8, he's my jam star of the game. Yeah, that's good. Sorry. What's so goddamn funny about that? <laughs> I was just thinking about that picture. It's so it's so rude, you know? You know how I am about pictures. I want to look perfect and neat and petite. And, you <laughs> and I throw that up there. there. <laughs> um sorry but my jams and everyone's gonna hate me for this i think it's the mellow ball i'm just gonna stop with that i just i i like watching him play tonight he's not annoying yet to the point where i can't stand his ass but i'm gonna say the mellow ball but if it has to be a son i think it's booker i think booker tried okay. his most. booker did go cold i mean he really did in the fourth quarter but he did his best he got that three to almost cut it close you know almost a tie game so i'm gonna say devin booker wait what do i say all the time again what was the hashtag two as well two as well yeah you're saying like two and then two again because two Two. means as well as well means two so he was there he was there too he was there as well so you go and so there he was two as well i don't know go back and watch the footage i I think it makes more sense than that and khalid says uh matthew never take your hat off Okay, is this? Am I just having the worst pod tonight, or what? Dude? No, no, no. <laughs> you might as well just throw uh, up. Sh- a sh- shout there. out to the Jamsters. We have Luke Wallace who thinks that it is Chris Paul. Um, Grim Rippa thinks Monty, Monty, Monty. CP3 for We nineteen thirty nine. We have Paul for Nathaniel Doris. CP3 for Jones since eighty minus the tech. I go book, and I agree with that. That's the correct response. If Booker doesn't get that technical, it that ends up being Booker that and changed the game. It. 
as soon as he had that tech, you knew it was over. I just knew. I'm like, damn, that just cost us any kind of momentum that we had. Thomas Dennett gives it to CP3. Laced bacon to CP Thrizzle. Um, Cam from Khalid. Uh, So... Yeah, so that's uh, you know, put that one in the rear view yes. mirror. You know, it's on to the next one. We look at uh, what we have going on for the next one, and we're gonna guess that. Guess what? So when we look at what we predicted in this game, who would have more assists, CP3 or Lamelo Ball? I don't remember what we said. <laughs> what did you say? I think I said CP3. I think I did too, and it was CP3. He had 10. LaMelo yeah. Ball had 8. Over, under, Suns 3s, 15 and a half. Um, and that's makes, not attempts, obviously. And I think we both said over, and they ended with 14. So there you go. Who wins, Suns or Hornets? Uh, we both said the Suns. Yep. We both Suns. lost. So that puts us. I'm at 9 and 7. You're at 11 and 5. And it's on to the next right. one, okay? okay? Tough loss. Tough loss. On to the next one, and that is going to be Friday as the Suns go on a three-game road trip that starts with the Bulls. Then we play the Timberwolves, which, by the way, I don't know if you know this, breaking news here on the Suns Jam Session podcast. When we play the Minnesota Timberwolves and Papa Ricky Rubio, that will be the first time this season, during the regular season, the Suns will wear their purple jerseys. Oh, cool. Yeah, you know, I heard it was coming back, and I think it's three games in a row, right? I don't know about that. I heard it was three games in a row they're going to wear the purple. I love the purple jerseys. And it's sad that up to this point, we've played 31 games and we haven't worn them yet. So they're better than the white, right? The white are just so, yeah, just plain. It's like that. Just just plain. I won't put my mouse on it. So who has more three point attempts in this game? Is it going to be Jay Crowder? Or is it going to be Cam Johnson, Matthew? Crowder, man. Mr. Shoot the three. We have to just adjust to it. Jay Crowder's going to shoot the three. He missed like two in a row and still jacks up threes. So it doesn't matter to him. He'll just go out there and shoot them. So I'm going to say Jay Crowder, dude. Cam Johnson, I feel like because he had an off night from three, he'll go and try to work towards the rim again. It'll be interesting to see what the Chicago Bulls give them. Uh, Jay Crowder leads the team with 6.8 three-point attempts per game. And Cameron Johnson's number two with 5.8. Uh, I'll say Cam Johnson just to go against you because no matter what you say, I'm going to go against you just so I remember that we I went against you. Uh, obviously, the highlight for the Chicago Bulls is Zach Levine, all-star Zach Levine, averaging 28.6 points per game right now in the NBA. Is he going to go over or under 28.5 points against the Suns on Friday? Oh, I think he goes over. For sure, man. For sure. Just because I feel like we're having a hard time down low stopping anybody from getting to the rim. And what does Zach do? He does that. What does he do? He shoots threes. We haven't really guarded the perimeter that well. So look at some threes up. So I'm going to say he scores 35 in this game. Plus, we're giving up points to any kind of star on any team. Everybody See, scores that, 40. I disagree. I disagree. We held Damon check. We held LaMelo. Yeah, but- if that's their superstar, Gordon Hayward, they both ended with 20 points. It wasn't them, them who killed us. What's that? Gordon Hayward was not a superstar. I'm just saying, like, anybody that's in the – I think Gordon Hayward himself, he scores 20. He averages 21. So he's just a 20-point guy. I'm just saying Zach Levine, a guy that could go off, I bet you he will. So All right. Well, I'm going to agree with what the Jamsters are saying. They're saying under. Um, let's see. Mario uh, Lopez says under. Mikhail locking him up. I agree with that. Code, uh, Code JJM says Bridges is going to make Levine look human. I agree with both of those statements. So there you go. I'm taking the under. Cool. And then, uh, then the big question, Matthew, who wins the Suns of the Bulls, a rematch of the 1993 NBA Finals? 
Man, the Suns are going to win this one. You know why? Because I think tonight, you know, they were kind of not resting, but they were just taking some quarters off. And this one trying to rest up a little bit, trying not to show it, trying to do it the LeBron James way. But it got too out of hand for them, and it was too late, too little too late, even though their bench couldn't support them. I'm going to say they rebound on this one. They're going to win. I agree with you. I think that this is a team that is definitely beatable. It is a team that doesn't necessarily play a lot of defense and has the ability to score on you. They're kind of like the Charlotte Hornets in that aspect. So uh, Thomas Dennett says it, Suns, it's a payback game. Uh, Luke Wall says we definitely bounce back. Uh, Kobe White scares code JJM. I don't know if he really... Uh, scares me that much. Nathaniel Dar says, if Dario's hurt, we lose. That'll be really interesting to see if what injury uh, the injury report says after this game. But if we are down a couple guys, I think that campaign who did not have a good night tonight, uh, we didn't necessarily go into his stat line, but only two points on 10 minutes and two and four assists. You know, he was trying his best, but he didn't really necessarily have a good game. I really like the Suns' chances to. Um, to, to, like you said, to bounce back and to play this game well and ultimately come out with the victory. Um, but code does say, keep your eyes on Daniel Gafford. And I have no idea who that is. And I'm, I'm a bad basketball fan for not doing that, but I'll tell you what, I haven't watched one minute of bulls basketball this year. I've watched a lot of NBA. I haven't watched one minute of bulls basketball. If they're not playing, I mean, I don't have NBA. I don't have NBA TV. I don't have the league pass. So it's, it's tough. If these guys aren't playing, you know, the, the high market, like TNT, I'm, I'm not going to be able to see them. And it sucks. I want to watch a lot of these teams because they're I very, very fun to watch. I hear you. All right. Well, I think it's that time of the podcast where we should finally congratulate our all-stars. We, for the first time since 2010, the Suns have two all-stars on their team. Devin Booker and Chris Paul are the first Suns all-star teammates and Steve Nash and Amari Stoudemire. And shout out to our friend Espo at the solar panel. He tweeted today that this is the first time since 1981 when Dennis Johnson and Walter Davis were members of the Phoenix Suns that the Suns starting backcourt was on the West roster. Uh, How does that make you feel? I mean, thinking about this time last year, this time two years ago, when Isaiah Kanan was your starting point guard and Devin Booker, you know, was a good good stats, bad team guy. Now we have two all stars, and they are our backcourt. The monsters of the mid range are all stars. Congratulations to them! Uh, I it gets me so excited. Yeah, I mean, wh- how do I feel? I mean, I I feel great. It's so weird because Chris Paul went kind of unknowingly to the All Star game because Book he missed it, and I I think a lot of us expected him to get in. But without CP3, this wouldn't be this wouldn't exist. I think Devin Booker himself might have missed the All Star game completely if we didn't have Chris Paul on this team. Devin Booker might be asking out of Phoenix if we didn't have Chris Paul on this team. You, you, so that's a great point. He, he needs to be on this team for everything to be stabilized, everything to be going the way it is. But to have two sons in there, even though we lost tonight, we're one of the best team in the league still. Everyone in every team in this NBA are having these kind of games. If you go around and watch them. Still, these really good teams, the Clippers, the Lakers. I mean, the Lakers without Anthony Davis, of course, that's a different story. But these teams are still losing those close games. So to not mediocre teams, the Hornets are 15 and 16 now. So you have to look out for these teams in the East that are actually trying to make a playoff push, make their presence known. So with all that said, I am very, very excited for this team. And I don't know which jersey to get, the Booker one or the Chris Paul. Because remember I told you beginning of the season – my friend said Chris Paul's gonna be your favorite son of all time. And he's he's if he gets us to a championship, 
He's gonna be right. Oh, I, I know. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to get ahead of myself. I'm just That's saying. Tough. It's clearly DeAndre Ayton. <laughs> like, duh. my bad. Whoa, I fuck. This is just a fantastic time to be a Phoenix Suns fan. Even coming off a loss to the Charlotte Hornets, know that we didn't lose any ground. The Lakers got blasted by the Jazz 114-89. to It would have been nice to win this game. But knowing that we're led by Chris Paul and Devin Booker, they are both all-stars. You know, One thing that we talk about a lot on the pod, going back to last season, we we're talking about benchmarks in Devin Booker's career. And there's certain benchmarks you need to hit in order for him to stay happy because that's the end goal. You want Devin Booker to fulfill his promise of wanting to be a son for the entirety of his career. We want him to be the best Phoenix son ever. And those benchmarks were last year, even though the team wasn't winning, they were winning more than they were the previous three or four years in his career. And one of those nice benchmarks was going to be an all-star game. He got snubbed. Dame Lillard got hurt. He became an all-star. This year, now we're winning. And now he's an all-star again, even though it's, again, due to an injury, which somebody's got to look up that stat. Like, it's got to be the first time somebody has made two all-star games consecutively for the first two of his career due to injury. But now he's going to Atlanta, and he's chilling with Chris Paul, one of the, the most respected dudes in the entire league as his teammate going there. Uh, it's just another step forward in that evolution of Devin Booker. Now all we have to do is continue winning and tell him to shut the fuck up and stop getting technical fouls, and then he can make that next step in his career. But I am super excited. Driving home today, Burns and Gambo, breaking news was occurring, and it was fantastic to hear that. Again, congratulations to both of our all-stars. I can't wait to see what those jerseys look like to see if they're worthy of trying to buy. Because I really, I should have got a Booker one last year because that was a dope-looking jersey. Yeah, no, that's the exciting part about the all-star game is a way to see what the jerseys look like. But I don't know. I'm, I might, I don't know which one to buy. I haven't bought a jersey in a long time, man. So I got to I gotta buy something, right? There you, there you go. Yeah, I think it is time. I did want to what? What are you laughing at, asshole? <laughs> I I'm an asshole. I didn't put up a pic of you smiling to the camera. I don't know where the fuck I was. Was I in Florida? Where the fuck was that? I don't know. Like <laughs> Shannon, Shannon text me the picture. Um, I could have used that one. Like, where are you? Oh, that's at um up at Desert Ridge when Hayden was in town. Oh yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, Hula Hula Grill. That's where that was yeah. taken. So yeah, a long, long yeah. time ago. She wanted me to use like a Dallas Cowboys picture. You wearing like a nice. Witten jersey. So either way, it looks the same no matter what. There you go. Yeah, you I'm still look like, still you know, look like you. But if anybody wants to come over and just look at me full size, you can. I don't no, care. like they just watch the pod, please. Social distancing for the love of God. Real quick, I wanted to talk about Damian Jones. Obviously, the Suns released him uh, yesterday, I believe it was. And good move or bad move, Matthew? I mean, who was there was a lot of people in the chat saying to do it. And I think we all knew that if one player was going to leave, it was going to be him. But I'm like, why would it be? Who are we going to get? So, I mean, it's a good move if we pick somebody up, maybe. And my friend actually texted me today. He's like, how, what do you think about JaVel McGee? I'm like, you know what? I, hey, it's a great that's guy to get. Great teammate. He doesn't have to play a lot of minutes. He'll, he'll still hustle. He's just a big dude underneath. He's going to be better than D- Damian Jones, but he's a good teammate in the locker room to have on this team. I think it'd be a perfect fit. So that's the guy I'm kind of rooting for. Maybe hashtag JaVel McGee, like we did for hashtag Frank, bring back Frank, you know, Ooh, bring like bring that JaVale idea. That's actually a really good idea because he is somebody who would fit the Suns kind of perfectly. 
And obviously, you know, getting rid of Damian Jones was the right thing to do. I mean, he wasn't productive. He did have that one like monster jam against the Portland Trailblazers. And then like the next day we cut him. So that's kind of fucked up. But yeah. I mean, that's that, that was the highlight of his son's career. What He was a walking foul. You know, kudos to him. He can go the way of Jonathan Motley this year. Two guys, two bigs who James Jones brought in, gave him a chance and allowed them an opportunity to be successful. And they just couldn't. Do it so. Uh, hashtag JaVale McGee. Let's make this happen. He is somebody who Cleveland most likely is. It's rumored that he could be bought out by them, and then he's going to be looking to be a buyer. And I think that, or he's going to be looking for a, a successful team to join. And the advantage for the Phoenix Suns this year, and I can't remember the last time we could say this is like as we hit the All Star break and the buyout guys are starting to happen. Like we're buyers this year, and that's fun. It's fun to sit and not go, okay, who are we getting off? Who's going to be gone here in the next two weeks? Because you know, they suck and we want to buy them out because it just makes sense in the long run to not necessarily have a strong enough bench so we can, you know, semi tank. No, we're buyers and JaVale McGee might be the guy. So hashtag JaVale McGee, put it out in the universe. We did it for Frank Kaminsky. Let's do it to get JaVale McGee to Phoenix. Yeah, it makes sense. And, uh, Thomas Dennett, I don't, Dave King suggested it. I guess he suggested it last night on the pod. I guess he must have. I'm sorry. I don't watch. He might have. Yeah. He did. I get flustered and I just turned it off. So. Code did bring up a good point. Did everyone forget McGee tried to to fight Kaminsky? Oh yeah, yeah. Kiss and make up. That doesn't matter, dude. It doesn't matter. Hang it out in the locker room. It'll be over with. It doesn't matter. Punch each other, not the other thing. All right. So quickly moving on. Um, the schedule was released for the second half of the season, and there's a beautiful graphic that was put out today by yours truly. This is how I spend my work days. I'm just kidding. Well, I had a lunch break. I put this together real quick. Anyone who's from work watching, that's not how I spent all day. I was making your schedule and preparing for spring break. It's going to be very, very busy. And I have to make sure that we have the, night, the right oh. tools necessary to be successful. Um, but this is what is the second half of the schedule looks like. So, Matthew, as you take a look at this schedule, is there anything that jumps off of the, the board at you? Is there any games you've circled? Is there any stretches that you are you are looking at? Yeah, I mean the two home stretches. I mean long home stretches, five games, uh, home and four games home, or five another five game home stand. That that's interesting to look at. But the last two games of the seasons are interesting because oh, I'm man. against the Spurs double. It's like you know what it's going to come down to is the Spurs for some reason are going to be like a fourth or fifth seed with the Suns like tangled up in there. Did they just will be? Don't ask me how or why it's going to happen. And I think the seeding is going to come down to those two games, something like that. It really could. It could. So those two games really stood out to me, man. I mean, what else What else stood out to you? I know we're, we have some good games, and it's going to be tough, dude. There's a stretch against the East Coast, too. It looks really tough. Yeah, I think the the few things that jumped out to me. So first and foremost, there's six back-to-backs. We have two five-game homestands. The first one against the Pacers, the Grizzlies, back-to-backs against Ricky Rubio, Papa Ricky, Sands fans and the Minnesota Timberwolves, and then the Lakers. And then the second one, which includes the Washington Wizards, the Houston Rockets, the Miami Heat, the Sacramento Kings, and the Spurs. And those are going to be a couple really fun stretches. But it is kind of a tough, brutal just end of the season. You know, we have that, that, what, uh, five-game Eastern Conference road trip that includes 
Milwaukee and the 76ers and the Celtics and the 76ers and the Celtics are on a back to back. And then you've got Brooklyn and then the Nets or I'm sorry, the Knicks on a back to back. So of that five game road trip for the games are on back to backs. And then the last 16 games of the season, 12 of them are on the road. So that is where the Phoenix Suns will pay, essentially, for their seven-game homestand and their home-heavy schedule. We knew this was going to occur. The first half of the season was very home-friendly for the Phoenix Suns. Um, so if I, you look at games that I've circled, obviously, I'm really excited for those Minnesota games. To see Papa Ricky back, knowing that that could be a back-to-back that really is... Uh, you know, the Minnesota Timberwolves are just a fucking dumpster fire. So it'd be fun to see Papa Ricky. I like seeing cat suck and hit a bunch of threes against us and all us ultimately winning uh, the Utah games. We have two games against the jazz. You have one that's sandwiched in between road games against Houston and the Clippers. And then another one that is after the Clippers on a two game quick homestand. So I think both those games will be very interesting seeing as the jazz are a team that is just, hell-bent and determined to not suck this year i mean they again they beat the crud out of the lakers tonight so um and then of course my last two are those two spur games to end this this season it's going to be very interesting to see who we are where we are by that time and who the spurs are because they're a team that is so very well coached they're like the st louis cardinals in baseball they're a team that just organizationally is so well sound that whoever they bring into that organization conforms to their style of play and you can you can never count them out and to see a season like we're having right now end with two games against the spurs is such a kick in the nuts because if we lose playoff seating because the spurs if the spurs can fuck us again just for old time's sakes it's going to be frustrating I mean, yeah, it's going to be any team that can F us in the end. It's going to be very frustrating. But the Spurs itself and then Devin Fassell being on that team, that even makes it worse, yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, um, I mean, it's going to be fun. I'm so glad it's already released. Um, going to the All-Star game, we got two All-Stars, and we have this, the rest of the season that's going to be here. Maybe more fans are going to be brought to the arena. So it's going to be a fun second half, dude. And you look at this, you look at the schedule, you're like, or this is this tough? How can we guess? I don't know if you're going to ask me if I'm going to guess the record. No, but it, a lot of these, a lot of these games. I mean, they might look easy, but it's going to be very tough for the Suns, and they might end up being uh, ending up with a worse record than how they started. But it's just the way it is in the NBA right now. Everyone's fighting for those positions to get into, you know, the play-in tournament. So and, it's going to be. What did today tell you? I mean, every team is going to bring it every day. One thing that. You don't necessarily, you definitely don't forget if you're a Suns fan, that's for sure. And especially after a run where we're dominating teams by 30 plus points, it's yeah. always a good reminder that winning in the NBA is hard, it's razor thin margins. And the ability to do what we've done thus far this season on a 20 and 11 season, appreciate it. Appreciate plays like this from Devin Booker, the All Star. Behind the back delivery to DA. behind the back delivery to DA. I mean, appreciate these moments that we're experiencing and let's go forth into that second half. Let's finish the second, the first half strong, enjoy the all-star break and then on to the next half, man. It's a long season. This is just one game. Yeah. And I'm working on my jawline over here. So yeah, there you go. I mean, you keep working on that jawline, Matthew, you're going to look like Gordon Hayward in no time. So <laughs> Keep up the great work. 
Um, I think that's all we have for this edition of the Suns Jam Session podcast. We appreciate you coming and having a good time with us. Uh, it's always a good time hanging out, talking Suns. It was really fun, Matthew, because we watched like the last like three minutes of the game with each other via uh, this application, and then you know we came right into this. So we're already kind of a little goofy about it. But thank you to the Jamsters. We really appreciate it. Please subscribe. Uh, we're close to 800 subscribers now. Like the the goal to, of a thousand is actually obtainable, and it's awesome that that's occurring. It means that you guys are liking what we're doing. You love Matthew's jawline and his ability to look like different players. I'm just gonna do this all season long. I'm just gonna say you look like guys. You know, um, the thing is, we'll find if you can find a guy who you think I look like. I send me the picture and I will put it up. There's no one who looks like me in the I'll NBA. Tom Googly, I doesn't play right now. He's got to be someone <laughs> playing against. Like, Il, oh, too bad the oh, too bad the Polish hammer doesn't play anymore, dude. Yeah, I do. Yeah, that is a good. T- that is a good point. You know, but, uh, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you go. Ahead. I don't know what I was gonna say. Honestly, I was gonna say this is a <clears throat> this is a funny messed up podcast. I loved it. You said you're gonna bring stuff on that you had ready to go. That was gonna be awesome, and there it is. I'm blown away. You blew I me delivered. Away. Fuck. I delivered. <laughs> So thank you again, everybody. Make sure that you follow the show at Suns Jam on Instagram and Twitter. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at Darth Voida. You can follow Matthew on Twitter. Matthew Lucy. And I think that's all we have for this edition. So everybody, have a good night. We'll see you on Friday night. Yes, everyone go home and bathe your family.